Other countries are looking at this. They have built full-scale commercial plants where they can process you know, things like faba beans. It is a reality um, in Europe. Can we do it in Ireland? We can. Obviously, we can grow faba beans fairly well and potatoes very well and, and other crops. It is happening and the processing equipment is available for it and the markets are also available for the ingredients. The demand from plant proteins from consumers has exploded in the past few years. Estimates put the value of the global plant protein market at over 17 billion euros per year and is expected to grow by over 7% per annum. There are many products which have hit the headlines like Beyond Meat or Quora plant-based sausages which are derived from various plant protein sources. However, plant proteins are also added to a lot of other prepared foods which are more commonly eaten like yogurts, desserts, savoury foods and others. Can Ireland produce these types of proteins to supply this large market? You're listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We'd really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Ireland can grow plants extremely well due to our mild and relatively wet climate. Can we concentrate and utilise proteins from the crops we can grow in Ireland to supply this large plant protein market? Today I'm delighted to be joined by a couple of Chagas colleagues who are working on an exciting research project called Uprotein. Sinead Fitzsimons is a project manager and Mark Fenlon is the project lead, joins me to chat about the opportunities in plant proteins for Ireland and the work they're undertaking to make this possible. Mark, to come to you first, Mark, there is good potential for growing plant proteins for the human food chain. How strong is that demand and is this increasing over time? It, it is increasing. And I suppose when we think of plant proteins, you know, we're not thinking of individual foods. We're thinking about ingredients in many cases. So in other words, and, and the market for ingredients is, is very big. So in other words, like we export already a lot of our dairy and beef, obviously. Um, and we see it as another opportunity, in other words, to, to export plant protein as an ingredient. Uh, so, of course, it can be many, used in many foods then. Um, so formulated foods or, or prepared consumer foods and so on, you know, they all are, are, are prepared with, with different ingredients. And, and of course, protein is key because you, you need protein for growth. And as the world population is growing, as we all know, uh, and, you know, and um, incomes are increasing and different changes in socio-demographics and so on, uh, the market for, for plant protein is certainly increasing. Okay, so the possibility then, as you mentioned, is not necessarily plant proteins per se, it's actually ingredients to go into some of these is really what, what, what um, we're really looking at. And, and you're heading up a project called Uprotein, uh, which are, is looking at some of these plant proteins and maybe how you might extract those proteins from some of the crops we might grow here in Ireland. You might maybe just tell us broadly around uh, what the aims of the overall project are. Yeah, so the, the project, it, its ultimate aim, I suppose, is to create uh, a new enterprise uh, for, for the farming community. In other words, that um, to, work, to, to, to fit it alongside our dairy and our beef, um, you know, and certainly not to replace anything, but to add to it. Um, and I, the idea is that can we, can we use what we know, I suppose, in the other uh, enterprises, like being able to valorize, for instance, dairy, you know, a good example is cheese and whey and so on, you know, but in, in the plant side, can we, can we, can we valorize the entire crop and produce different ingredients from it? Um, so in other words, protein, but also the starch, the fibers, you know, and all sorts of other nutrients that come from it. So can we 
process it in such a way uh, and treat it in such a way that we can uh, develop ingredients that then can be exported and used in other foods or provide a nutritional base for foods elsewhere in in in, in the world. So, um, you know, the markets are big, um, great opportunities for Ireland because we have, um, you know, we can grow, obviously, potatoes grow very well, we grow fava beans and so on. We are looking at some unusual and, and other crops along those lines in the tuber and, and cropping areas as well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's just uh, some great opportunities there for Ireland in this space. So when you mention valor, you mentioned the word valorize. What exactly do you mean by valorize? Simply put, use it all. So in other words, you know, rather than taking the protein out and leaving the re- the rest of the residual biomass behind, obviously it's hard to build a business case on that. Um, being able to use it all. So in other words, and dairy have been you know been really really good at this. The, the dairy processes are excellent at this and produce really high quality ingredients and so on. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been able to use it all, valorize the entire crop. OK, and Shane, I might bring you in on just on that particular point there, just in terms of the um, that valorization bit, in terms of the what crops are being used in this project. Are you looking at at the moment or even what sort of other plant materials are you, are, are you looking at in terms of that valorization process? So we've looked at several different um, crops and we have had a selection criteria. So at the moment we have selected uh, fava beans. So we have seven different varieties of fava beans being investigated at the moment. Um, we've looked at spring and winter be- or peas, lupins, um, with five different types of lupin that are varieties of lupin that we're going to use. And then we're looking at more unusual plants, which are Aka and Mashua and Yakan. So we're looking at um, some tubers and then the pulses as well as, um, as options for the project. So it's lots of different varieties of um, not just different individual like peas and lupins, as you mentioned, but some of the some of the tubers as well. Yes. In terms of trying to recover the proteins or other things that Mark talked about, how do you fractionate those? What's the process that that, that, that you're going to go through to try and see what are you can get the right things out of it? So what we're looking for is, for, is to take away the protein first. So what we're doing is a, a, a process where we're looking at um, what they're calling, what we call isoelectric precipitation. So this is just um, changing the pH in the in a solubilized milled, say fava bean. We change the pH, and then the protein will come out of solution, and then we can separate it through centrifugation, um, separate the protein from say the fiber and the starch. Um, and then we have two streams. So one stream is our protein stream or our protein enriched stream. And the other is the stream that Mark was talking about earlier, where we're looking to add value to this as well. So what would have been considered maybe a byproduct, we're trying, we're valorizing that as well um, in, as part of the project. So and then for, say, the Aka and the Mashua, what we're looking at is looking at extraction of soluble material. So we will, what we're calling juice the the, the Aka and the Mashua have two streams, have a, a, a soluble liquid stream and then a more fibrous stream that we can we can um, dry. And we, we, we've been drying all of the the streams to be able to then work on them through the project. And in, in terms then of, it sounds like a, um, I suppose, maybe a highly mechanised type process where you have to, as you say, you have to, to put the likes of beans into a soluble format, which it's mm-hmm. not, and then fractionate it out and then centrifuge it. Is that in terms of the product, the product that you're going to get out the far side? Is that 
denatured or in any way, or is it are you, we still able to retain the essential functionality of of, of the product? Oh, no, we, we've retained the, the functionality of the product because we can we can adjust the parameters to retain the, the functionality. So as we were talking about, uh, or Mark was talking about earlier, when we're looking at at the, making this an ingredient, its functionality is key. So that's always in the back of our mind when we're extracting the protein is that we want to um, retain its functionality. And Mark, just to bring you back in there, so in terms of that functionality part, so different plants are going to have different protein profiles or maybe different nutritional elements. Do, do you think that that will go into different streams in terms of the ingredients industry? Can we capitalise on that? The bioavailability is very important, first of all, and, and of the actual protein itself. You know, and dairy, for instance, has always been, you know, one of the most bioavailable and very high quality uh, plant based then as well. Some of them um, have have good amino acid, very good amino acid profiles. Some of them um, a couple of amino acids that are different, but they can be blended then to 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 match, we'll say, or to to provide the formulation you want. So, yes, when you blend them, you can do exactly what you said. Um, the nutrition, obviously, protein is, 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 you know, any source of protein is good, but um, you do need to have it soluble. So in other words, like it needs to be soluble in the, in the end use. So Sinead mentioned functionality, and that's that's really key. So it has to be basically soluble in the in the end use or the formulation that you use it in. Um, so that's just as important. But yes, you can, to, uh, to answer your question, is by blending them in different ways and even blending them in hybrids with dairy and so on, um, you know, proteins, you, you can make different types of nutritional beverages okay so for to take that then in terms of a if i was a a, a customer if you like i wanted a a protein ingredient if you like does the market out there look for that in a liquid form as you said or is there is there a mix between liquid and, and a solid form uh well again it's a good question i mean powders obviously you're shipping less water if you do that uh for export but um obviously you know there's more energy used to produce a, a powder and then in today's, I suppose, a year of sustainability and the focus on it, you know, things like uh, concentrates and so on are also very important. So we're also looking at that. In other words, maybe not to go the full way to a powder, but to produce a concentrate. Um, so and they have different uses then or end uses, I suppose, and can be used differently in, in, in different foods. But if you're if you're shipping into a, you know, a relatively hot country and, and you need to have the shelf life and so on, you know, it, it more than likely would be the powder format. Uh, that you'll be that you'll be using um and again it depends on the what you're adding it to at the end of the day uh and what functionality is required when it's reconstituted okay and Sinead just to bring you back in there in terms of that concentration of protein how it's take the peas or lupins or whichever crop maybe you might have in the top of your head how have you been able to concentrate the likes of proteins out of those going from Say protein, say beans, for instance, is maybe somewhere around maybe the high twenties. Have you been able to concentrate that a bit more? We have. We've we've taken the flour, so we say we're going from a 20-25% um protein content, and we've brought that all the way up to 90% protein, say for fava bean. Um so we have now produced a 90% protein, what we're what what's called a protein isolate, um, which is a, a very pure form of protein. To do that, is that is that a um a nice thing to do from a lab point of view or is there a market in mind that would take in something that's that concentrated and being able to use or blend it or mix it into into a final product i suppose there's a spectrum of ingredients so you go anything from the flour where you're looking at that 20 percent protein you can have a concentrate then that's around 60 percent protein and then the isolate um, is the highest protein content so you could put the isolate then maybe into uh, nutritional products where you're looking for 
say a large protein content or a high protein content um, and and maybe less other ingredients or other uh, constituents with the, with the um with the protein so yeah there is a market for it so just to give our listeners a little bit of a, a an insight in, into that could you give us an example like the powder might go into i don't know let's just say a a nutrient bar kind of thing? A, or, yeah, a nutrient or... bar. Or if you now start, what's what I've started seeing on shelves recently is a, a plant-based sports nutritional drinks. So these are then, so we're probably used to seeing the whey-based beverages um, and whey-based protein powders for after sport and after the gym, where now there's plant-based uh, versions which are based off fava beans and peas. So they're up at 90% protein. Um, and you, what they are, they're the, the, the isolate, maybe plus a flavor um, and then you mix this with water um, and you take it after sports for recovery. Okay. And in, in terms of then, which, which is a nice example for, for, for sure in that, are, are there, is the process that you have bringing it to that um, isolated you talk about, is that kind of it or does it need to be brought a little bit further? Could that go, you know, directly to that process, go directly to a company to say that, yeah, we like this and we're going to put it directly into our drink, flavour it and away we go. Or is there a bit more to it? Yeah, so that would be a, a standard process for extraction of plant proteins. So, yeah, no, that this that this can be used, the, pro- the process that we're using and designing and optimising um, can be used by a company then to, to extract the protein and uh, produce the protein isolate. And in terms of the, 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 the kit and everything that you're using to do that, I mean, can a... Is it is it small scale as in lab based scale or is it pilot scale or where whereabouts are you in terms of or a company maybe coming into you kind of saying right we're going to scale this or we're going to maybe have a scale already we we want to bring it to a producer product where whereabouts is that process so we're at pilot scale so if they've done it say the the lab scale ver- version to extract the protein that we know what we're getting and then we we're bringing it to pilot scale so that's that's where we I suppose cut off and the next step is into probably industry um so the equipment we've got new equipment um within the research facility here that can extract the protein um and we've been working on that what does pilot scale mean now to 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 they got the man on the ground kind of thing. Is that tens of tons? Is that is that is that a couple of hundred grams? So we're coming, I suppose, anywhere from a hundred kgs up to a up to a ton, maybe. Um, you know, that's the sort of range we're we're talking about. But usually, I think, Michael, what we try to do is, as Janine has mentioned, there, it's it's pre-commercial. So we sort of have a small pilot scale, and then we have maybe a what you call a pre-commercial. So in other words, it needs to be scalable to a large plant eventually so we try to mimic the bigger processes as best we can so that, that it's scalable for for whatever industry is going to take it on in terms of the some of the technology you're using is it in any way similar to what they're using in the dairy industry to scrub or extract proteins out of that process yes uh, it, it is similar um having said that obviously milk is liquid so it's you know there's there's some different processes up front for the plants because it's not liquid um, so there are different processes up front, but you can use a lot of the same technology um, for it. Um, it, it. I suppose it's the interesting bit comes around the valorization. So in other words, to, to use the other streams, you know, whereas as milk, because it's all liquid, you can you can you can make lactose, you can make whey and so on out of cheese, but after after making cheese and so on, you know, or concentrates, you permeates and all various ingredients, whereas with the plant based you know, you have much more solid based material. So there is different processing 
needed there, but you can use some of the dairy. And we have adapted some of the dairy technology for, for this for these uses here with plant. So would there be any fear that a dairy plant could uh, be repurposed over the, the quieter time of the year to, to, to do something like this, Mark, do you think? Well, to be honest, if like, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting point because as you know, as you know, you know, there are peak dairy and the dairy, um, the seasonal milk supply that we have. So you could use the spray dryer, yes, for some of the ingredients. Um, uh, and you could process them later in the year or earlier in the year, uh, is, is the answer there. Maybe not all of the plant because some of the other parts of the plant cannot be dried on spray dryers, but you could use it, yes, for some of the um, applications. Okay. And maybe, Mark, just a final question to you. Um, in terms of some of these proteins, the very high the high concentrate ones, or maybe even the, the isolate ones that uh, Sinead has been talking about, have you tasted any of these or have you put any through a taste profile? I mean, do they do they lose all taste and are just tacky kind of stuff? Or what what, what way do, do, the, do the taste or look like? Well, they are different. That's the first thing I'd say. <laughs> okay. Was <laughs> well, that a good answer? But um, yes, they are different. And I suppose one of the, if you were to pick two things that I suppose the, the processors or, or, or people who work in this space look at, you know, the solubility is one and taste is the next. Um, because, yes, it, depending on some of the um, protein isolates, um, they do taste different in some cases, uh, kind of some challenges, but in some cases uh, um, can be can be very suitable. It depends Again, it depends on the application, but some of them do have stronger flavors. All right. So that's something that uh, people work on a lot. But but the majority, um, I'd say, you know, and depending on on, on on how they're treated and so on, um, they do fit in fairly well with the when mixed with other ingredients. Okay, but as you say, like you say, they, they, they are mixers, I suppose, for the most part, and flavor comes from maybe a different direction to to, yeah, to a broad consumer product. Yeah, the protein is usually a nutritional base, you know, that you start with. You know, you you have to, um, and uh, you know, the the other ingredients you bring in as well will provide you with the flavor as you say in many cases okay so do you think mark maybe just a very final question to you do you think once the project is finished do you think that there is a possibility or do you think there's a next step in this to bring this to a commercial stage where farmers who are listening to this particular podcast can think that did you know what if um if there's a market for that i'll definitely grow some beans or peas or lupins or whatever it happens to be i can grow for that market and i can deliver stuff into um to a merchant or wherever central place to 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 um to make sure that market is developed well suppose the answer is that would be a really nice um outcome um and can it happen like other countries are looking at this you know um they have built full-scale commercial plants in some countries where they can process, you know, things like faba beans into different streams and so on. So it is a reality um, in Europe. Um, can we do it in Ireland? We can. Obviously, we can grow faba beans fairly well and potatoes very well and, and other crops. Um, do they fit into the off season, like you mentioned? I think Michael, which was interesting, uh, they, they could as well. I think maybe not not fully, but they do. There is a, there is an opportunity there as well. That's I. I think if you could do that, like what you mentioned you know, um, to have it into the more in the off season and so on, you know, there's some really, there could, there's some good opportunities there, but the, the answer is yes. I mean, they're doing it in Europe. It, it is happening and the processing equipment is available for it and the markets are also available for the ingredients. And I understand that there's a number of Irish companies who are looking for this kind of stuff, Mark, is there? Yes, yes. And uh, and I suppose like, it's like everything for, for our dairy and meat industry as well. You know, our, our markets are abroad. 
we, we forget that sometimes. Mm. So, um, you know, we're, we're, the whole world is our, our market. Um, so, you know, if you can produce ingredients, proper shelf life and flavor profile, as you said, and proper functionality, as Sinead mentioned, um, there, there are opportunities to markets. The markets are there in, in many cases. We don't do that ourselves, to be honest. We, we're not, you know, I guess, as you know, we're working on the research side of it and, and, and the technical side of it. But from, from speaking with the my industry colleagues and so on, uh, uh, you know, there, there is the markets are there. Okay, listen, that's brilliant, Mark. I'm del- delighted that the markets are there. And I think everybody listening to the podcast will be kind of going with bated breath, kind of saying, where are the markets? Hopefully, they'll, they'll be there sooner rather than later. But, uh, Mark, thanks very much for your time and Sinead as well. I'm delighted to chat to you. And we might have you back on again, uh, maybe towards the end of the project when, it's, when we get a bit more results from it. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Mark and Sinead for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to go back and listen to the other episodes in the Protein Series where we cover the potential of growing beans in 2023 and the use of beans in the animal feed market. So finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.